This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Denise Crosby. I played Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyheart. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Earl Grey. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today are Richard and Justin. Richard, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Tired, but I'm good. <laughs> Very good. How, how are you today? I am very excited as of the day that we are recording. We've got Discovery coming out tonight, so super excited. And Justin, you're here too. How are you? I'm doing great. As you said, Discovery, we're going to be able to see it tonight. Very exciting. Of course, we'll be talking TNG today, but um, very excited. I see. I think you have your Discovery shirt on. I do as well, so (laughs) got to be prepared. And I'm just in my sriracha shirt. <laughs> of course. Richard's priority is hot sauce. <laughs> well, um, before we get going on today's episode, Justin, I think you had an update uh, for a recent episode that we um, had dropped. So you want to tell the listeners about that? Yes. So a couple episodes back... Um, I had on uh, Brandon Shea Matala and Star Trek author Una McCormack, where we did a rewrite of the season two finale of TNG, Shades of Grey. We had a good time doing that. And uh, during that rewrite, we asked for some feedback on some names for for the episode, for our reimagined episode. And actually during the episode, we came up with with a couple of, of names, but uh, on the Babel conference, a couple of other ones were were thrown out, and I wanted to just read a, a few of them. And I think the one that I that I liked the best. So, the ones that we got were the root of all evil, root canal, and roots of change. You can see a little theme there. We had something to do with roots. So if you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to it to see what's going on with that. But I think the one that I that I liked the best out of those was uh, roots of change, which came from listener Luke Sim Jenkins. So. Congratulations on giving us what I thought was the best title for that, and glad that uh, people enjoyed the episode. Yeah, it was really good. We, uh, <clears throat> I got to listen to it, and you guys are just great. And Uma's great. She was so good. Yeah, we we had a great time. She enjoyed it so much. Brandon enjoyed it so much. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty great. So while you guys were on your secret secret mission, we had some fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, secret mission. (laughs) Well, for today's episode, we are going to be 
looking at our unsung episodes for season six. Now, this we've been doing this all year to celebrate uh, TNG 30-year anniversary. And just to let you know, we have each chosen three episodes, and they're not specifically fan favorites, but they probably deserve a rewatch. And they're not going to be uh, Chain of Command, Part 1 or 2, Tapestry, or Face of the Enemy. We felt that those were obvious fan favorites, and so those will be off of our list. However, the remaining episodes are open for us to choose. And so I'm very excited and a little sad because this is, we've got season six today and then one more, and we will have covered all seven seasons. Sad day. Sad day. (laughs) Well, I'm very interested to see what everyone chose. I think this was especially difficult because season six is so good and a lot of fans enjoy it. So Richard, let's start with your first pick. Well, um, it probably should come to no surprise um, what I've chosen, and um, I've chosen the diehard of all uh, episodes, and um, if you don't know this, then you should probably go back and watch it, but but um, it's Starship Mind. Absolutely love this episode. It's one of my favorites. I didn't even think of it as diehard until... Really, um, when we were starting to talk about uh, interviewing uh, Morgan Gendel, and uh, it just made sense. It just it was a it was a great uh, you know uh, representation of that of that movie because it's one of my favorite movies, and of course it's a required for Christmas. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean it's just too bad he didn't blow anything up or something like that. That would have been awesome, like you know, like in the Nakatomi building. But um, but yeah, it's it's a very it's fantastic episode. I absolutely love the uh, the feel of you know we get we get to see more of the of the Enterprise, even though it's probably the same corridors from different angles. Um, but like um, at least you know the illusion is that we get to see more of the uh, of the Enterprise, uh, and uh, I love that chase and you know. Uh, and hiding sort of thing. So at least, at least he caught, at least he had his shoes on. So that's the good news. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy Starship Mine as well. Um, it's it's great sometimes, you know, to see action Picard, <laughs> um, and it's just kind of a thrilling episode, and and the whole idea of it is really interesting. I also like that we see uh, Tim Russ before he played Tuvok on Voyager, which is cool. Um, yeah, it's just a really enjoyable episode. And you mentioned that Morgan Gendel wrote it. I mean, very, very, very different episode from The Inner Light, but still, you know, I find it equally enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad you pointed out the fact that we get to see the ship. And you're right, because they're going through, you know, all the things as the Barian sweep is coming. And that just adds such a level of intensity and and suspense, you know, yeah, the countdown to the bomb going off in in Die Hard. And so you get to see all the ships. You get to see, obviously, Captain Picard make his remark about, well, any good serious horse rider has a saddle, right? Um, silly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and so it's just a very good high energy episode that is, yeah, acted so well. We get to see the Enterprise D in so many different rooms and it's it's very, very good. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right, Justin, give us a pick. All right. So for for my first pick, and, and now, you know, usually when I do this, I'm like, oh, 
everybody loves this episode or whatever. I'm not going to assume that, but <laughs> but uh, for for my first choice, the one that came to to mind is the episode lessons. Um, this is the one where uh, Picard uh, falls in love with the new head of Stellar Sciences, Commander Nella Darren. I like her character. She's somebody who's kind of like upfront and and forthright and and kind of has a good sense of herself and her own independence. And I felt like they worked really well together, even though this is one of those one episode romances. I felt like it worked really well. Um, and I also liked, you know, the the really important callback to the inner light where you see Picard playing his flute and talking about his music. And, you know, I, I was rewatching this episode the other day because I, I just love it. And you know, the the first time that he gets to really play his music and share it with someone it actually makes me cry. It's like this, Picard's been through so much and it's this possibility for him to really be happy. And it just makes me happy to see Picard being happy. So that was my choice. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure Morgan's right now got like ringing in his ears or something like that because we're talking about him a lot now. <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely love this episode as well. It's It's... it's one of those ones that should have happened a long time ago, like season three or something like that, um, where, you know, we get to see that, uh, that passionate side of him and, you know, the artistic side of him as well. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful episode. I, I absolutely love this episode. It's really, it's, it's a really heartwarming to see that, you know, at least a starship captain, even though it's fraternization, (laughs) <laughs> but like uh yeah uh that he can actually find love on as a starship captain and um you know, with his uh, busy schedule so yeah it's really it's really awesome I, l- I like this episode a lot you know when you bring up lessons um i think back back to was it season three where we are introduced to vosh and sort of how that interplay worked with captain picard and vosh and how Patrick Stewart went to the writers and said, you know, this captain, he needs to have some romance. And so then we get Vosh. I never enjoyed that relationship between him and Vosh. And when I get to lessons, for some reason, it is vastly different. And I am one who enjoys the rush, sorry, Picard and Beverly dynamic there and think that they should be together. And I like that, you know, romance and stuff there. And so that's one of the reasons why I didn't like Vosh because she was just too out there and she was in competition with Beverly. But with uh, Nella Darren, to me, it is, there's something there that she's intelligent. She's uh, mindful. She thinks before she speaks and they seem to have more connection and more, uh, in common than he did with Vosh. I mean, they did their archeological things, but I like the relationship with, uh, Darren, oh, Nella Darren and Picard. And it, it is, it's, it really shows that side that Picard is going to allow himself to open up and become vulnerable with with her. And that's a really good look for Captain Picard. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned that because I had occasion in my season three rewatch to to watch Captain's Holiday, which is the first one with with Vosh recently. And I I've always kind of gone a little bit back and forth. I mean, Vosh seems like 
you know, it's it's this like exciting thing just because he's at Ryza and there's this this adventure, but she never really seemed right for him to me. Whereas Darren, you know, a fellow Starfleet officer, somebody that that seems like they're you know, just trying to do their best. They may have their flaws or overstep their boundaries or whatever, but that's, you know, a human thing that that happens. But she's always trying to do her best in the situation, whereas Vosh is just trying to work whatever angle for herself. And it just feels like Vosh is too kind of much of of an outlaw for for Picard. And so that doesn't really work for me. But But, you know, Commander Darren works for me really well. And I like also in here that they talk about Richard, some of like the fraternization and the problems and Riker's feeling pressured to make certain decisions and things like that. And the way they deal with it, I like in in the episode uh, too. I mean, it's, you know, sad that it doesn't work out, but the way that it doesn't work out, you know, it makes, it makes some sense. I think, yeah, it's a really beautiful episode. Yeah. And it's, it sucks like that. I mean, it's, I obviously, you know, I, you, you you gotta have kind of those kind of roles, and you know it it sucks being on top, I guess. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, especially with a busy schedule like he does, I mean, and then on top of that, they're traveling all over the all over the galaxy. It, it, it's kind of hard to meet someone when you're when you're the top dude on the on the uh, starship. So yeah, yeah, it sucks, but it is what it is. It's what you signed up for. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, I, one more thing about it. I really like the the scene where Picard is like, "Well, you could resign your commission and live with me," and she's like, "Well, you could resign yours and be with me." <laughs> I just like that. She's just kind of like the perfect equal for Picard in that way. Yeah, and I like I like it also because, as you mentioned, it's you know has that playback to inner light and some of the ramifications and of what he has experiences we've seen throughout the season. And I know it doesn't say it, but I feel that he has opened up to her about the Borg and just everything that he's gone through. Um, I feel that they have that connection and that he has been sharing all of those events and experiences that he has had on the Enterprise D. Okay, good pick. All right. So I am going for my first pick to... Talk about Timescape. Timescape, I watched this uh, recently, and oh boy, this is so much fun. And it's good sci-fi, like good, you know, science in it. And there are, it's always fun when there's the space-time continuum and you're messing up with that. And so they realize they come into, and you've got these beams and the uh, Romulans are firing on the Enterprise D and the Enterprise D has the beam coming out. And so they realize that the there's these bubbles where the space-time continuum has lapsed and it's going like infinitesimally slow. And we find that because when they go to the engine room, the engine is in a warp core breach and we've got the white smoke and then we have lovely Picard drawing a little face and laughing. That's great. I love that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot here that I really like. Um, Troy plays a really strong uh, character here and she's just sort of taking command and and doing what she needs to do and Data's doing what they, he needs to do and Jordy's, you know, doing the science that he needs to do and Picard's losing his mind. So um, it's, to me, it's very enjoyable. It's a good, uh, 
you know, how are they going to get out of this? Cause you see, I mean, and everyone's just frozen. That's so cool. Walking around the ship, you know, and Troy comes around a corner. Oh, there's someone right there. And, and she goes to sick bay and Beverly is in the process of being hit with this disruptor. And I, I just really enjoy timescape. What do you guys think? Well, I, I love it. It's it's one of my favorite episodes. I like the concept where they're frozen in time and it's moving so slowly. And whenever I watch it, I think, you know, in these frozen moments on the Enterprise D, all of the the actors there have to like stay perfectly still. And I always look like, and they do such a great job at that. I, I, I like it overall for all of the the reasons that you've given. And there's kind of a cool concept in there. Is this, is this the one where... Um, like on the the Romulan ship, there's these like beings living inside their singularity that powers their warp core. It's yes. that one, isn't it? Yeah. And I find that concept really, really cool as well. What do you think, Richard? I like it. Um, I, it I, I love the whole conversation before the episode really gets down to the meat and potatoes of it. I use I use Beverly when she's, uh, or not Beverly, uh, I use Troy when she winks as a, as a meme all the time. And I use that all the time. So it's, yeah, that's, that's how I remember this episode is like, whenever you you see her, it's like, you know, you see her wink. (laughs) I love it. And it's just, it's so great. (laughs) That I know. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because I totally forgot. Yeah. When, because I'm in education, I cannot even tell you how many conferences I've been to and some of them are good and some of them are bad. And just to hear them talking about just, a normal day in Starfleet yeah. getting trained and having to get their professional development hours in. I mean, it seemed so relatable to me. And Troy telling that story, you know, and then Data asking the question, well, did you help him with his research? It's <laughs> hilarious. <Yeah>. So funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's just a plain early... I'm sure, I don't know if that was impromptu or that was part of the script or something like that, but it was hilarious. Uh, just, you know, basically talking crap behind their backs and everything and making fun of them. Like like it would be like if it was school or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's a very fun part to it. Uh, uh, at least that uh, that part uh, that part is, and you know, it, throughout the whole entire episode, it's really it's a really good concept. I really like the episode. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, what was it that Jordian? What's that favorite character of yours? Row. <laughs> Ro. So you're talking. You're talking about the next phase. Yeah, it yeah. just reminds yeah. me of that one. Obviously, you know, it's not like a you know a time freeze or anything like that, or more like a dimensional. You know, they can't see them sort of thing. But like, it's really, it's a really cool episode. Just like that episode. It's, this episode uh, rings uh, right up there with it. Uh, it's a really cool episode. I like it a lot. Well, yeah, yeah because like they've got in same with the next phase, like they've got one of the Romulans that is the same. And here in Timescape, a couple of the Romulans, they, you know, move and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And in that, in that opening scene, it it's one of my favorite Picard moments where he talks about this guy who was giving this lecture and he says that he kept talking and talking in one long unbroken sentence, just <laughs> Very hypnotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love that. And I also love that by season six, Picard is comfortable enough with the crew that he says things like that. You know, I don't think he would have done that in the first season. Yeah, but true. It's great. And we could all relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> I like him droning on and on. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. So, Richard, give us another season six unsung episode. I don't know what everyone thinks of it, but I mean, one one of the things that I really love about this episode is that it it sort of messes with your head, sort of thing, and it's a frame of mind. I love frame of mind. It's one. Of, it's I love a suspense story. I mean, like it's like a what was it? Uh, what was that first? It's a movie a long time ago. Oh no, Long Came a Spider. There we go. I love that movie. You, it, you know, it takes you for a thrill ride. You think you know who it is and everything, and then. Bam, it hits you right in the last 10 minutes. And I'm like, wow. And this episode is kind of like that kind of episode. I mean, obviously, it's a lot older. I mean, for, I mean, Along Came a Spider was, is a lot sooner than this. Um, but, like, um, this episode is like, you know, it's like, well, what's going on? You know, it's like that altered reality. It's like, really? This all is a dream or something like that? And they're trying to, I mean, I, this isn't the first time they've ever done an episode like this. But, like... Um, you know, it's just one of those episodes where they try to, uh, you know, extract information and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's, it's a mind. It's a mind thriller. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. I was going to say a little bit more derogatory, but okay. (laughs) That'll work. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I love frame of mind and I, I like the idea that there are all of these different layers of reality and that when he breaks through them, you actually see this manifestation of it, like the screen just shattering off to, to reveal something else. And I think also it's a really well-directed episode. The way that, that they get all of these shots and, and get you into, into the episode, it feels very different from other Next Generation episodes, almost like it's, it's a play with some you know augmented reality on top of it. It's really cool. And what I wanted to call out as the director of the episode is James L. Conway, who I noticed as I was going through different incarnations of, of Star Trek is actually he directed some of the very best uh, Deep Space Nine episodes. He also directed the Enterprise uh, premiere Broken Bow and in a Mirror Darkly um, part one. So he's directed a lot of really interesting looking kind of, of episodes. He only directed a couple for, for TNG, but I feel that a lot like the way it's directed in addition to Jonathan Frake's amazing performance helps to put together this really unique feel. And I, it's just always compelling. Like whenever I see it or it's in my rewatch or it comes on, I've got to watch it because it's just so incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, a box in a box in a box in a box, you know, those Russian dolls. I mean, just going through that mental exercise of trying to figure out what is real, what isn't, what is going on. I mean, you're living through it with Riker and you're right. Jonathan Frakes does an amazing job and just pulls you right in. You feel what he's feeling. You're confused. Like he's confused. It is a very, very good episode. I love frame of mind. One of my favorite parts of that uh, whole entire episode is when you see the camera pan over to that circular window and then he starts yelling I could see that. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I could, I believe it. I'm like, I probably be doing the same exact thing. We're like, ah, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, when I watched it, I put my um, myself into Riker's mindset, and that would drive me crazy. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. a, wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great pick. Yes, <laughs> listeners, go back and watch that one. That one's really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin, give us your number two. Okay, so for for my second pick, um, I picked the episode Realm of Fear. 
Uh, this is a, a Barkley episode from from season six where he has this fear of the transporter and that it's doing something crazy to him. What I like about the the episode, one of the things is I think this is the first time we see what it looks like to be inside of the transporter beam. You see like as he dissolves and then he comes comes back uh, in a different area. Um, and there's just this element of it, this mystery of, of what's going on, why he's seeing some things in the transporter beam. He, it seems like he's like hallucinating some stuff going on on his arm. I don't know. It's, it's a bit of maybe a different kind of, of, of Barclay episode, but I just really enjoy it and seeing him go through that. And I think of myself like, oh, I'd probably be afraid to be in the transporter and be dematerialized. And if I saw something, would it be real? Am I going crazy or what's going on? So I, I enjoy the episode. What do you guys think? So this is the one thing I really hate about uh, uh, Star Trek on this is the is the transporter beam. I mean, because like there's so many things that could that could go wrong. I mean, you could be missing an organ or something like that, or you'd be missing something in your body, or or even you know you could end up like on uh, the uh, the motion picture. Um, but like, mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) all fried up and everything. But like, yeah, it's it's got to be scary to do something like that. I'd probably be scared too. I mean, because in a sense, you're, I mean, technically you're you're being destroyed and then recreated on the other side. So does that make you that same person or what? You know what I mean? Like that that kind of like messes with your head. (laughs) Well, unless Brandon Shamatala was correct because his theory on an episode of Metatrex was that it's just like a dimensional shift over to one place and then back into your own dimension. But I think that the transporter is, I've said this a few other places, I think the transporter is one of the most unlikely things we see in Star Trek to ever Mm. happen. It just seems so incredibly complicated and fraught with risk to take someone apart at the molecular level or the submolecular level and then put them back together in the right way. It just seems... Right. Because I would think that some at some point in time that there's probably maybe a micro whatever uh, uh, a very difference, a variance difference in your, in your original copy versus your new copy yeah. that it'll eventually break down. Yeah, there's 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 another problem, and they tried to kind of take this into account a little bit with the reference. But like you know, I've done some reading about quantum mechanics, and the way that things work, like at the at the real level of the really small, you can't actually know with complete accuracy both the position, the speed of a particle at that level, like an electron or something like that. So I don't think there's any way you could accurately scan the information. Uh, at that level and it would also just be changing because things at that level change so so rapidly so i don't know how you could like freeze that into place and it just seems like it has all kinds of problems and so that quantum mechanics problem is heisenberg's uncertainty principle so at one point i think in in the tech manual or maybe on some some dialogue on screen they talked about some heisenberg compensators they just made something up because some people had had brought it up but it seems so unlikely that they'd be able to accurately scan everything and put you together according to that, because those things change all the time at that level, you know? So I think we answered our own question. We'll just go with Brandon's theory. <laughs> For the dimensional <laughs> shift? Yep. Yeah. Dimensional shift. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It makes, I mean, if it's possible, it made, it made some, some sense, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> what did you think, Amy? So I... <laughs> Was recently on to the journey and was talking uh, Troy, but in that you have Barkley and Broccoli. So um, <laughs> I just noticed this theme 
with Lieutenant Reginald Barkley and that he, you know, has these idiosyncrasies that make him weird. And he is a great actor, Dwight. He's just so, so good. But what I see is that he's got these idiosyncrasies and he has a way, I think because of that, of looking at things. And so here he's facing this fear, but then has this idea that these microorganisms are people and he grabs them. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. so out of the box thinking. I don't think anyone would think, oh, I need to save this organism that I see that's scaring me to death. And I really am coming to appreciate his character. And this is just another uh, evidence that he is thinking outside of the box and people think he's crazy and he still goes ahead and does it. And I think that takes a great amount of courage and self-confidence, even though he's played the opposite. So I'm, I'm beginning to really like uh, Lieutenant Barkley. You know, and that brings up a good point. That makes that makes me mad about Wesley now. <laughs> when he makes fun of him and everything. I mean, come on. I mean, he's got a different point of view. You got to make fun of him? Come on, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the other thing yeah. is, like, it, it was in season four in the nth degree that Barclay had this experience of becoming super intelligent and having all this confidence. And I've always thought, like, when you see him later, there are bits of that that come in and maybe something from that experience there was a moment of inspiration that he knew what to do in the situation and you know grab this thing in the transporter beam because it was a person or something like that so he still has his idiosyncrasies and can be a little off sometimes but here and there he has that confidence that he takes from i think from that other experience i'm yeah. sorry i would not be grabbing that thing whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if That's i would very either. brave of to do that <laughs> Or very stupid, one of the two. <laughs> or I'm sorry, not stupid, foolish. <laughs> there you go. Well, I want to bring up my second pick, and I encourage fans to go back and watch it, and I know this is one that's not well-loved at all, and that is Aquiel. Now, Aquiel is a... Jordy episode, and I say that and I laugh because poor Jordy, he just does not know how to find women. And um, <laughs> that's putting it lightly, but yeah, <laughs> guy. So they go to a space station that's been uh, under attack, and they can't find you know anyone. And there's this uh, or molecular. Glue or goo that's on the floor, and they're <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out who is it, and they think it's this Aquiel. And um, so the Klingons are there, and Jordy's going through uh, her personal files because they th think that she is dead. But then they find the Klingons, and there she is, and she has a dog. So we get to see Dog on the Enterprise again. Um, but what I would say to you listeners to go back through and why I'm choosing Aquiel is it's a great whodunit mystery because we don't really know. We first think that Aquiel is dead, then she's alive. Well, if she's alive, then who is this goo that's on the ground? And is it the Klingons? And and is this this goo turns is a shapeshifter type of thing. So we get to see a little bit of that and how it comes up and it it mimics Beverly's hand. 
That's really cool. I like that. But it just goes through and they're trying to figure out it's a great whodunit episode. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll say about Aquiel. You know, the first time that I saw it, I thought, well, it's, it's kind of interesting. I was surprised later to find out that a lot of people just hate it. It's also one of, like on IMDb, it's the second lowest rated episode of the entire season. So a lot of people don't like it. But, you know, I find it interesting. And when I rewatch it, I'm like, this is fine. I mean, to me, it doesn't feel like, you know, the best or the worst. It's just kind of somewhere in the middle when you're right. I think there are some interesting elements for listeners to to take a look at. I don't know. I, I think I just think of it as it's fine. It's not that bad. What do you think, Richard? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a decent episode. I could go without watching it again. Um, but, <laughs> but like, I mean, it's a decent episode. It really is. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those episodes where if you haven't watched it in a while, a long time and you don't remember what it really is, uh, then, you know, it's, it's going to be a good episode cause it, it's a, it, it really is. It's a really good mystery murder, I guess you could call it a uh, mystery murder uh, episode, you know, you're trying to figure out as as the characters are trying to figure out whether or not she's alive or dead, or you know what exactly happened. And it, it's it's a really interesting episode, especially for a first time watcher. Um, I could see that, uh, but like I don't know. I mean, but once you, it's it's definitely one of those episodes where once you watch it, but that's it. <laughs> it's one of those kind of episodes for me. So yeah. Well, it's definitely unsung. It is, for I, sure. Yes, you are right about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, Richard, start us off with your third pick. You know, I actually thought you were going to choose this one, and I'm just going to do it because I'm just going to push back my number three one Uh-oh. to, uh, un, um, uh, what's it called, uh, honorable mention, and uh, that's A Fistful of Datas. Oh! Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I mean... Obviously, this episode is fantastic. It's out of their realm again. You know, it's another, yes, unfortunately, it's a holodeck uh, program uh, malfunction. Um, but at the same time, it's really cool. And then, of course, we get to see the flute again. Morgan Gendel, I hope your ears aren't ringing too loud today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, um, definitely uh, one of the, with these, this episode is uh, just, I love how. Fun and in character, Troy can be uh, in this. Uh, it, it's it definitely shows a different uh, part of her acting again, and you know she's a talented actress, granted. Um, but like it's just it's it's one of those fun episodes. I mean, even Worf. I mean, he tries to you you see that that uh, that stiffness with his son, and you're like, I don't want to play. And it's like we don't play. We we kill things on the holodeck, sort of thing. And it's like, and then he starts, you know loosening uh trying to get into the story and everything and then it becomes fun until it becomes obviously serious so yeah it's it's a one of those episodes that i really like that uh i mean i would love to do a holodeck program in the old west that would be awesome (laughs) or recreate some kind of you know historical event just because because it's fun so yeah Okay, so yes, Fistful of Datas, that was one. It kept coming up, coming up. So it was on my honorable mention. So I'm so glad you brought it up because, yes, there's so many things I want to talk about. So, (laughs) yes, the holodeck program. And I just finished watching The Orville. 
And when they went on their holodeck, it was this Western thing. And it just totally made me think of Fistful of Datas. And it was so funny. I'm like, okay, Orville, you got it right, because that's what you do with the holodeck. And so you get to see, and again, the Fistful of Datas, I like the Troy and Worf relationship. So to me, this is just another evidence of them getting closer and feeling more comfortable with each other and, and, uh, and I just love that Troy's like, well, I'm going along with you. And so she sort of invites herself, you know, but that's okay. So I really like Fistful of Datas for that reason. And um, yeah, it just shows a wide range of acting, obviously, with Data and Troy and Worf. And I think this is a really good episode with Alexander as well. I know a lot of people uh, don't really care for Alexander or his character, but I think it really proves the point of the father-son relationship, the give and take that is there. You know, okay, so since we're... Okay, I'm sorry. I know I know you're next, uh, Justin, but give me one second. So one of the things I really uh, really like about uh, the child acting in TNG is that I actually do like Alexander. Alexander is one of those... At the age that he is introduced into TNG, he's in that age of like asking questions and you know things that you would normally uh, that that typically you wouldn't normally uh, you know hear from an adult or something like that. And I really wish they would have done more of that um, because of his age and everything. You know, like some of those stupid questions that that or that we always hear those simple. Uh, sometimes we always hear those simple questions where it's like. What does the transporter do, or what does this do? What does that do? You know, you know what I mean. And that, actually, I think if they would have done that um, throughout TNG, or not throughout the TNG, but some of the more complex episodes, that it would be a lot easier in a simpler way to explain things. That's that's the the Star Trek universe, like some of the technology and and whatnot. But like, I really love his character when it comes goes into DS Nine because this is a great setup for. DS9 uh when we st- when we see him in the later episodes of uh you know during the Dominion War and I absolutely love that they they did that because some of the, some of that is just like okay we understand that he had a he had a troubles with Worf the father's relationship was you know very tense obviously being the person that he is and his position that he's in as well and you know be bouncing back from earth to the enterprise and it's like it's just it's I really love that he was on there because he made a great character. It made a great character on DS Nine. So, yeah, I I agree, and I like Alexander as well. I know some people don't, but for me, it was like you know he's he is really a part of these two different worlds or cultures, and he's trying to figure things out. He's kind of confused. Is he more Klingon? Is he more human? Um, so I I like his his character, you know, a lot, and I usually like his his. Uh, appearances and i think in a fistful of datas it's a fun adventure for him brent spiner does some great acting Worf loosens up a little bit i i always enjoy it and i love troy in this episode too she's just you know badass western troy it's very cool durango yeah durango (laughs) sorry Um, but it's it's one of those things where marina sirtis gets to show off like a different side and and you feel a different part of of troy that's like looser and having fun with this program so yeah, I, I like it too. And I know for some people, they're like, oh, something goes wrong on the holodeck. But you know what? If they handle it right, I enjoy it and I have fun with it. And I don't care that something broke down. Yeah. Oh, one, one more thing, uh, Amy. 
how good did, oh yeah i'm sorry jennifer um <laughs> but if you're listening i'm sorry um how good does troy look in, in that freaking hat and in in everything uh she's yeah so smoking oh. hot she just pulls it off completely yep oh my gosh she's she's sitting there on, with her feet up with the boots on and everything oh my gosh yeah yeah, she got into character and made it her own, and that made it even more attractive on her. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah, she's great. I love her. <laughs> but yeah, great episode. Uh, it is. All right, Justin, how about your sec- er, third one? All right, so my third choice is the quality of life. So this is the episode where they're visiting this station. First of all, I find the concept kind of interesting. They're mining stuff from orbit which seems and, and it's coming up in this particle fountain it's kind of a cool idea but in the course of that there's this you know scientist where she's invented this new kind of adaptable tool and in the course of the episode they find out that it seems like this uh, entity might be sentient and I love the 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 questions and things that go on related to that and also you know data kind of really trying to figure out what's going on and defending this new life form. There's just a lot of aspects to it that I like. I always like the TNG episodes where they find something that doesn't seem to be life or sentient at first, and it kind of turns out that it is or there's another way to to see it, especially if it's something that's, that's non-humanoid. So I, I just really enjoy the episode and what goes on in it, and I think it's a really good data episode also. What do you guys think? I like this episode. It's a very cute. I, I, I it's very rare. I say cute, but like, <laughs> it's Except a very are cute, cute episode. They, they are. It's, it really is. It's a really cute little thing uh, that, uh, you know, obviously it puts itself out of danger and it wants to look out for itself and you know basically uh, stay alive, which is a uh, you know obviously for essentially being that's what's ultimately what it is but like uh it's it's definitely one of those episodes where they try to figure it out and i, I absolutely like it because um it's very um it's very i don't know i don't want to say it's, yeah i guess touching it would be because like they're trying they're, i mean it's trying to it's trying to live and you, you know we're the we're the inconsiderate ones and you know put it in life's danger and probably even kill it so um but yeah, either way it's a really cute episode i really like it it's uh yeah yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> this is probably one I need to go back and watch now that you bring it up. I remember the exocomps, and um, yeah, they are, and they're just going about doing their things, and then when there's danger, they're going to get out of there and not be destroyed. So it definitely, you know, has hints of what TNG has explored in almost every season what is life and um, how are we treating that? So it's a great episode. Yeah, it is. And, and I like that it's it's in uh, a different kind of form because, you know, previously they've explored something like the nanites, which are like these these little creatures that are just micro, practically microscopic and reproduce like that. No, but I really like it when there are these different kinds of of life forms that they find and discover and this is a different kind than say the nanites because you can actually you know see them and touch them and interact with them and it just brings it home i think even even more so okay well my third and final pick is man of the people again i don't think that this is uh too highly regarded But I wanted you listeners, if you would, to go back and watch it again. And here's the reasons why. 
Well, first, let me recap in case you forgot. So um, they are bringing a Alcon. I forget his title. He's going to um, mediate, help mediate, right? And so, but he has this ability to get rid of his negative feelings and channel them into another human being. And so when we first meet Alcon, he beams aboard and he says, well, this is my elderly mother. And um, it come to find out she passes away. And according to his culture, they are to not do uh, autopsies. And this is just killing Beverly. Of course, she wants to know what's going on and why can't we. And, you know, she's not supposed to die. And um, so anyways, he needs to find a replacement for this person who has just passed because otherwise he's going to get his negative feelings put back on him and he feels justified in getting rid of these negative feelings because he is doing such important work and helping cultures and other people come together. So it's his responsibility to be his best. And it goes through and he finds Troy and then Troy starts aging and, and it's a great Troy episode, but I just love that idea and that concept of what do you do when you have negative feelings and negative emotions? Are you, you know, transferring them and blowing off and getting mad at other people? Because I mean, it's not their fault. It's, you know, these emotions that we have, we have to learn to deal with. And I like this idea of, is it, justifiable because here Alcon is doing a great service for the Federation and for amazing, great people to injure a few people, you know, the needs of the many argument. So I'm, I'm interested. And for me, when I watch man of the people, that's, that's what I think of. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's some interesting things it brings up, but this may be one of my least favorite next generation episodes I just find it really hard to watch this guy that's just dumping his negative emotions and negatively affecting Troy and all this stuff. It, I just find it really difficult to watch so that it's hard for me to even kind of absorb the, the, the message of it. And, you know, maybe this guy is a really great ambassador, but I don't think it's worth what he does because surely there's somebody out there who's almost as good who doesn't do this. But I just find it really... Um, hard to to watch. I don't know. What do you think, Richard? I, I'm I'm in the same boat. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's not one of my favorite episodes. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's just not. I it, I mean, I understand the message and everything, but I, I think it could have been di- done differently. Uh, it, but it's just like, yeah, it, it's not one of my favorites. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Amy. So I understand it's not a favorite, but I still am curious to know. I mean, not that you would, but he found, or I'm assuming that he found this way to get rid of his negative emotions. I mean, what, that's a a huge draw to live life without negative emotion. Yeah. But I mean, see the... So I, 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 no, I get what you're saying. It's just, uh, but like at the same time, some of those negative emotions can also inspire you to do good as well. And if you don't have the, if you don't have a, at least a good balance between the two, um, 
or at least, you know, obviously have more balance for the good and, you know, less for the evil, then really it's, you're, you're kind of, ha- you're kind of half the person that you are. Cause I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I guess if you have negative emotions or, or negative thoughts or whatever or whatnot, it, it also molds what your, uh, what your, what your next decision is going to be. Cause you're already thinking about what the next person is thinking or possibly might be thinking and it might influence your choices um, for uh, whatever you're doing. Um, in this case, negotiations. Um, and like, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's kind of unreal, <laughs> unrealistic, um, but it's kind of unrealistic to not have those uh, negative emotions um, because I, I, I mean, you need, you need them in order to form um, a more broad and sound uh, decisions. So I think that I mean me personally I think when it comes to like something like as as important as negotiations it'd probably be better best to have that kind of balance between the two but if you don't have them and you're just thinking positive well that's also a great way of getting taken advantage of too. So Yeah and 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 maybe building off of that a, a little bit I mean I think it depends on how you use these things. Like if you take an emotion like anger People can use anger to, you know, hurt other people or kill other people, or they can be, say, angry at an injustice or somebody's freedom being taken away and want to do something about that to make the world better. So I don't know if I even agree with the idea of trying to, like, get rid of those somewhere. I I think we all need to kind of deal with uh, the kind of full kind of scope of of emotions now of course in the star trek universe say vulcans deal with it differently by kind of suppressing those things and they have their own difficulties with that but you know as a message for for us as humans in in the 21st century or whenever really um i think we do need those things sometimes to drive us to make things better i agree um in a season two episode loud as a whisper i really enjoy that and we have troy again I'm not really falling for, (laughs) but falling for another, uh, you know, mediator. But in Loud as a Whisper, uh, there we have the interpreter. He loses his chorus and there's, I mean, he's going through some major pain and not knowing what to do, but he turns that and there's a quote in there and I wish I had it memorized, but you know, you turn that negative into a positive, you use that as a strength. And, and I think that has shown better in season two with that episode compared to man of the people. And you're right. Those, those negative feelings, you know, they're not always fun, but they can, they number one, broaden your perspective. And number two can, uh, enable you to see the larger picture and to actually have good come out of it because of those negative feelings. So yeah, and you mentioned Loud as a Whisper, which which I really like. It's probably one of my favorite season two episodes. And what he says in there, I think I remember it, is turning disadvantage into advantage. Yeah. So some, in that episode, something that he thought would be the worst possible thing for being successful in the negotiations, losing his chorus, actually turns out to be one of the best things for possibly moving moving forward. So... Yeah, and I think in in our lives, we need those things sometimes that are a setback, a failure, something that seems negative that you can then use to refocus and and turn to something else or just redouble your efforts for something better. So, But it's interesting, you know, that episode, Man of the People, is one that I'm always like, I really don't like that. But it's got us into an interesting conversation, and that's one of the things that's important. 
Yes, it's very Star Trek for me. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I can I see like that. It. Okay, well, those are our three picks. Um, now, Richard, uh, in your honorable mentions, did we not cover something or did we get them all? Uh, Fistful of Datas was uh, obviously going to be the um, honorable mention if you had mentioned it. <laughs> um, but uh, Quality Life was also another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Tapestry was was stripped from me. Yes. All right. Justin, did we not cover <laughs> something on your honorable mention list? I did have something that wasn't covered. And I'll just preview it by saying... Click, 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 click. Oh. <laughs> it's the episode Schisms, maker of many, many nightmares. <laughs> yes. But I think it's a really excellent episode because there's some, this weird thing that's going on. People are being, you know, taken against their will um, at night and they have to kind of figure out what's going on. And there's this holodeck recreation. I don't know. There's There's something about just the whole feel of it that I find really interesting and compelling, even though I think it gave me a nightmare the first time that I saw it. Um, but anyway, that was my, I didn't do the clicks well enough, but <laughs> that's my, that's my, uh, my honorable mention. There are so many good uh, episodes on season six. I mean, we could be here for hours talking about each one, but we shall uh, end with our final thoughts for season six. Richard, what do you think of this season six? I absolutely love season six. It's one of my favorites. Uh, as I said, you know, like one of my favorite series or a part, uh, part two and, you know, two parters. There we go. <laughs> is uh, Chain of Command. I absolutely love Chain of Command. It's one of my favorite uh, two parters of all times. And, um, it, you know, even, it, 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 even just that episode, uh, that, uh, that two-parter, all these episodes are fantastic. I mean, there's like maybe one or two that I, I, I could go without, but for the most part, yeah, these, the, all of these episodes are just fantastic. It's, it definitely, um, it definitely fired on all cylinders and uh on the story writing and everything and it's just they did a fantastic job on season six yeah i'd have to agree with you season six and that's why i thought that this unsung episode for this season was so difficult there's so many good ones and you're right i mean and i love birth birthright part one and part two you've got your time zero finishing up and chain of command there's so many good ones. Every single one, you just look and you're like, oh my gosh, I love it. This is really a wonderful season. And it, it was difficult to find some that not too many fans appreciate because this season is so solid. Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I said in the last Unsung that season five is my favorite episode of The Next Generation. But, you know, going through this, season six really gives it a run for its money, I think. And now I have to go back and think, well, is season six actually my favorite? I don't know. I mean, in addition to all of the the great ones that that you guys mentioned within the season, you know, we also have things like Relics where you see Scotty on The Next Generation. I love that episode. You have True Q where you have Amanda who finds out that her heritage is really being part Q, and I love that. Rascals, which we talked about our, on our Ensign Row episode, I, I love that one too. There, there's Ship in a Bottle with Moriarty, which we, I talked about with Leon, a Moriarty episode. I love that one too. I mean, there's so many here and you just go through the list. There's also The Chase and Suspicions and Rightful Air with 
the Kayless clone and Second Chances with Thomas Riker. And it's just, you know, filled to the top with really great episodes. And even among these unsung, you know, as we were going through them, for the most part, they were ones that, you know, I think a good amount of people like, you know, and we had to struggle to find the ones that are truly unsung or that a lot of people don't like. So, you know, I think by this point, especially, you know, season, you know, four, five, six, you know, Next Generation is just at the top of its game. And it was great to look through all of these and to struggle to find the ones that we needed to that that weren't quite as sung as the other ones. Well, it has been so much fun talking about unsung episodes from season six of The Next Generation, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the 602 Club. And this is happening a lot more in the Star Wars books, and I, I think it's because it allows them freedom which is to do books that become character studies. And I think it's very clear that this book, in a lot of ways, is a character study of who this person is and what it is that causes the actions that we see in The Force Awakens to make more sense. Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. By getting people like Braga to come on board and work on this show, what they're going to be doing is deconstructing that, that thing that they did for all those years on Star Trek. Earl Grey. Is there anything else we need to add, or do we think that's the... Are we going to cure Riker? Or <laughs> Oh, shoot, I forgot about Riker. Yeah, sure, fine, we'll keep him around. Yeah, we've cured Riker. And then, uh, for, for me, this would, yeah, or, or not. <laughs> Meta Trex. Troy's quarters, Data's quarters. They're very Spartan. They're very Spartan. In fact, Data's girlfriend even says they're Spartan, right? Yes, yes. And so what does she do? She brings him stuff. A trinket to fill it up. To, to fill it up. <laughs> And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and in, uh, in most in most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's shows, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place is to join the Babel Conference. That's our listeners group on Facebook. Type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Amy, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me here on the network. I'm co-host on The Edge with Aaron Harvey, Michael Schindler, and Brandon Shea Mutella. I do a little mini show called Postcards from The Edge, 
and very excited to hear the fan response for the Discovery uh, TV series that's Tonight. opening up. Yay! Um, I am also on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place is to find is to hang out on the Babel Conference. So, Richard, where can people find you? Well, um, they can find me also uh, in the Babel Conference. I pop in here and there. Um, and they could also find me on Twitter. My handle is xransom. Justin, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at trekfan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. I'm on my season three rewatch of The Next Generation, and I realize that I've been saying that for many episodes, it seems now. It's taken me a little while <laughs> to get through season three, not because it isn't an excellent season, because it is, but because, you know, being part of Earl Grey and doing some other stuff, I've gotten busy. But I'm still doing at least a couple episodes a week, and I'll finish up with season three sometime. But anyway, you can follow me along as I do that and tweet about other things related to Star Trek. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons' website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope that you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, and Michael Huter. Thank you so much for supporting Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die! Things are only impossible until they're not. Great joy and gratitude.